Welcome to another episode of Impact Chaser TV. This is season one, episode two. Let's go. So tonight I'm going to be talking about something that all of us can relate to. And to be honest, a lot of us don't really like to talk about it, but I want to talk about it because it's something I'm very passionate about. And that is education. Woo! Education. There, I said it. Education. Most of us have been in elementary school, probably pre-K, elementary, middle school, high school. You went on to graduate from high school or you got your GED, decided to go into trade or technical school. Some of us uh, chose to go to a two-year college or a four-year university to get your bachelor's or your associate's degree. And then you're like, you know what? I'm not going to stop. Society has pumped in my head. I need to get an education. That's my way out, right? That's my way out of my situation. That's my way out of the neighborhood or the zip code that I'm affiliated with in order to become a better person, you know, making sure the stars align for me. So then some of us went on to get our master's and then we got our specialist degrees. Some of us, 3% of us even um, became PhD. Some of us even got our doctoral degrees and got a PhD or an EDD. And we're like a seriously big deal, right? <laughs> well, at least we think so. And Navian thinks so. Because most of us did nothing more than rack up a whole lot of loans that we cannot pay back. But what I really want to talk about seriously is what it is really like to be an educator teaching in an urban school district. So I've been all over. I've taught kids in Mississippi, D.C., Texas, Tennessee, Maryland, Virginia, and Urban education is a very interesting space to be in. As a teacher, we have to go to school, right? We have to pass these tests, these practice tests. I took the practice test 18 times because I suffered from test anxiety and I couldn't pass the test. So I relocated and went to a charter school. That's why I relocated to the District of Columbia. Nevertheless, I just want to talk about the compassion fatigue that we experience as educators. A lot of times, most people who go into education are extremely empathetic because they know what it's like to be from a zip code where people where more than half of the people are living below the poverty line you know, where people didn't realize they were poor until they got older. So if you are a person who has come from humble beginnings, if you will, then I know that getting into education gives you the opportunity to give back, for you to pull potential out of every student that you come in contact with and let them know that they need to be intrinsically motivated like you, right? So that they can make it. But the truth is we get exhausted. We overexert ourselves to the point where we are fatigued and our compassion has just not necessarily ran out, but 
we experienced like, wow, September, I've contacted a parent 15, 20 times. Uh, this baby doesn't have the necessities and I want to step in and be superwoman or superman, but you can't because of policies and it's overwhelming. Um, and I think in order for education to really be its best self, it should be like a trifold or a tripod type of situation. There should be administration, teachers, as well as parents involved in education. There is no way that a teacher can be effective alone. The parents are the child's first teacher. And as a parent, I'm doing everything that I can right now to ensure that my son will be prepared for what I know is ahead of him. Now, I know a lot of people aren't necessarily as educated per se, or some people may not have as many degrees or whatever the case may be. But as a parent, it is your God-given right for you to be as active in your child's life as you possibly can, especially when it comes to their schooling. When I was in middle school and high school, my mom stayed at the school so much, they thought she worked there. You hear me? They really thought my mom was an employee of the school district because anytime I could be walking down the hall at any given time and somebody's like, hey, I just saw your mom. I'm like, what is she doing up here? I'm chilling. I'm in class, you know. But now that I'm older, I really appreciate that because in order to reach your fullest potential, you need you're a cheerleader. You need your mom. You need your dad. You need your grandma and your granddad. And as an educator, most of us do everything that we can and overexert ourselves, like I said before, by making sure we attend students' games, making sure that we attend student activities, and that we, when they see our faces in those crowds, it also shows them that, hey, you know, she's human. He's human. We're connecting. And so the key to being a good educator is being able to connect and have those solid relationships. When a student likes you, they'll work 10 times harder for you than they would a teacher that they wouldn't like. Th these are facts. I've seen students score yes. high on certain tests and, and low on other tests. I may have a conversation with them and ask, hey, so how did you pull this off in this subject and pull this off in this subject. They said, well, I don't like the teacher. If we can find a way to bridge the gap between, between uh, teachers and parents and administration, I'm even down to doing workshops for, t for, for parents so that they understand how to break down certain work, sending a key home, whatever it takes, because I have conversations with my babies about the school to prison pipeline. The truth is, when our students are tested in the third grade, by the time they make it to age 18 or the 12th grade, the government already knows about how many prison cells that they're going to need because they're basing it solely off of literacy. So if a child can't read, if a child can't write by the age of nine, then they know nine years later they're going to be incarcerated or dead. And the reason why is because they can't read or write. Therefore, they have to rob, steal and kill to get what they need because they're unable to articulate what it is they desire due to cognitive dissonance and the inability to be able to express themselves wholeheartedly with their feelings and their words because they don't know how. 
Plus, there's no one there to teach them how. So as an educator, understanding all this and knowing all this, I struggle consistently. I don't know about any of you other educators, but I struggle because I feel like it's an it's a never ending process because I can only do so much. So. I've been trying to devise a plan to get parents more involved, but a lot of those parents have to work 12 hours and their schedule just doesn't allow for them to be as present as they would like. And so even if we can come up with a coalition of mentors or something. Um, so I, I would just love to see the day when Congress or the Senate or the House of Representatives will actually be honest and say that the true experts in education are the teachers, not the people who have never set foot in a classroom. So parents, read to your babies. Let your babies read to you. Ask questions. Write the teacher a letter. You and the teacher have, text the teacher, whatever it takes to stay in a loop about your child. Because 99.9% of the educators that I know are in it for the right reasons, they really care. And I don't know about you guys, but going to college and obtaining, obtaining, excuse me, all of these degrees has done nothing more than make me feel like sometimes, hey, you could have stopped at your bachelor's. <laughs> you didn't even have to get in debt. But I chose to because I'm a lifelong learner. And of course, some districts, and the reason why I said that is because there are some districts that don't even pay you for your degrees. Can you believe that? Yes. They only pay you for your bachelor's. Even. I was I was baffled to know that certain districts don't even pay you for your other degrees. I thought that was a setup from the devil himself. But you know what? Everything that you do, make sure that it's going to have a lasting impact on people. And no matter how tired I get or how frustrated and overwhelmed that I become with life, I'll never give up on the students because they're all going to be impact chasers. Either they're going to impact people to do the right thing or they're going to impact people to do the wrong thing. And they, the same goes for adults. So education starts at home. The parent is the child's first teacher. Regardless of the situation, parents need to be held accountable for their child's level of education as far as what they're able to do, get them the assistance that they need because there is so there is only so much that a teacher can do. There is only so much that an administrator can do. Some children need counselors. Some kids need social services. Some kids need uh, different speech therapists and speech pathologists. Get your child what they need so that we can do so that we can do the best that we can when they come in our classrooms. Because you're already providing the supplemental support, which is everything to us. I had a student with a speech impediment. You all know students wouldn't make fun of each other. But thank God the teachers came together and we suggested, hey, can you fill out this paperwork? Because we think your child needs X, Y, and Z. Parent agreed. Voila. The student's getting the help he needs. Not only that, but his speech is improving. So that means people are not picking on him about his articulation. 
So, continue to chase impact. That's all I had to say. I can go on and on. Teachers, you keep teaching. You keep chasing impact and keep being an impact chaser and understand that only what you do for Christ is going to last. Every day you go in there, you give it 100%. If the day comes and when it comes that you feel like you, you wouldn't want your own child in your classroom, then know that it is time to go. It's time to retire or do something different. Teach as though your own child is in that classroom. That's all I got for tonight, y'all. Peace out.